Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Real Life Radio is brought to you by the Neurology Center of San Antonio and River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, as this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. Today we continue with this brand new series called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life. It's part two of a message called Jesus the Contrarian. The notes and outlines to this message are available right now at reallife.org along with the complete podcast of this series. Again, that's at reallife.org. But thank you so much for tuning in. And this is Real Life Radio. If you've read the New Testament, if you've heard someone teach about the New Testament, you know that there was a group of people who were constantly kind of a pain in the neck to Jesus. Okay? It was the Pharisees. You know who the Pharisees are? Pharisees, the first mention we have of them in history is like 147 B.C., the historian Josephus wrote about them right before the Maccabean Revolt. This group, this kind of philosophical, religious, political group that began to hold on to kind of the religious fundamentals. And it's interesting to know that the, the, a group called the Sadducees arose at that same time. And both of these groups were notorious for outward legalism. Just legalism. And man, you got to be careful because both of those rose and came to prominence in a time that the Scripture calls this silent period. It's between the New Testament, excuse me, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, And, and it's called the silent t- years because there were no prophets really that declared the word of the Lord publicly to the nation Israel. You just have to be careful in silent times when God is silent because there are Sometimes God is very intentionally quiet. And he wants to speak to our hearts. Be careful of those who would step up and say, okay, since God's not speaking, I'm going to help him out. I'll fill in the blanks for you. Okay, let's all, let's fill in the blanks and we'll make up the rules. Since God's not saying much, we'll kind of assume what he means and we'll start making the rules. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. That's what the Sadducees did. Interesting thing to study, and this is for another time, but the Pharisees were kind of a little bit more fundamentalist. And the Sadducees were wealthier, kind of wanted to blend in with the, the Greeks a little more. They, they didn't really believe in some of the miraculous stuff like, like resurrection from the dead, some things like that. There's a lot of parallels. And this just goes the commonality of human nature. A lot of parallels for the Pharisees and Sadducees to kind of the legalistic aspects of conservative, the conservative church in America as well as the liberal church in America. We all have our ways of being legalistic, our ways of defining ourselves and making ourselves feel better than everybody else or whatever. And just if you study these two groups, it's like, oh my gosh, you could name Christian denominations in America that kind of as they move farther and farther away from their founders, moved one of these two directions. And so everything was about external righteousness. The Pharisees had more rules than you can even imagine. So it was all about external righteousness, the outside. Listen to what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He has a few more woes that he gives directly to the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, verse 25, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, 
You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you teachers of the law and you Pharisees. You hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus could throw down when he needed to. Can you imagine the guys hearing that? The key idea, he introduced this passage earlier. I want to go up to verse 5 in Matthew 23. Listen to what he, how he introduced this idea. And this is really the key idea. He says, everything they do, these religious leaders, is done for men to see. Everything they do is done for men to see. Listen to that phrase. They make their phylacteries wide. That's part of their, their garments and their tassels on the garments long. They love the place of honor at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. See, what Jesus is saying is self-righteousness isn't really righteousness. They focus all on the outside, and Jesus is saying, when you focus on the outside, you miss the point. The problem is, this is not a Pharisee condition. It's not a Jewish condition. This is a human condition. This obsession with the outside, the external, the surface. This may be, this whole idea may be one of the most contrarian things that Jesus taught. Well, everyone else in his day... And throughout history, is focusing on the externals, focusing on the externals. Jesus stops and says, wait a minute, no, no, no. It's all about what's happening on the inside. Paul wrote about that idea in Romans 12, too, and I, I just love the language that he uses. And on into verse 3, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That idea of conformity is an external force pressing you externally into a mold. Transforming is something that happens from the inside out. It's a change of nature. Conforming is a change in appearance. Transforming is a change in nature. And Paul says, don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought. Here's the key to transformation. Do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Jesus is always pushing it back to the inside. What's going on on the inside? And Jesus, that's something, Jesus said so many contrarian things. He said, you want to be first? You're going to be last. You, you want to be the leader? You want to be great? Be a servant. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said some stuff that would have absolutely driven the, the legalist crazy. And it has driven us crazy for all these centuries. He said, you've heard that if you commit murder, you're guilty. I say if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart and you're guilty. What? You've heard it said if you commit adultery with a woman that you're guilty. I say to you, if you look at her with lust in your heart to have her, you're guilty of adultery in your heart. It's like, oh my gosh. Jesus takes what we try to put on the outside and he moves it towards the inside. See, here's my main point. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's real simple. 
This is what Jesus would say. This is the contrarian wisdom. Don't focus on how things appear. Focus on how they are. Don't focus on how things appear. Focus on how they are. That's what Jesus did that was so different, so radical. And I think it's still a challenge for us because we love to focus on the externals. We love to focus on appearances. Why? Well, to be honest with you, it's easier to uh, control externals. Quite frankly, it's easier to appear nice than to actually become nice. I know this. It's easier to appear generous than actually to become generous. It's easier to appear hardworking than to actually be hardworking. And so I can more easily control and manipulate the externals than I can the internal things. A second reason we love to focus on the the external or appearances is um, I can fool myself and others better. That's I, I can fool myself. If I can do some things on the outside, I can kid myself into believing, okay, well, then that's who I am. If I, if I, if I just do these, I can kind of hide the stuff that I know is going on in here. And I can just go, okay, here. And the, the last reason we focus on externals, and this is the, the worst one, and if there's anything I could just like speak magic over and set us free from, or I think even if God could just set us free from, He would set us free from this. It is... The reason we focus on the externals is because we care so much what everybody else thinks. We are people pleasing sons of guns. I mean, really. And that'll kill you, being a people pleaser. But when I do on the externals, what will they think? What will people think? And so I put up these externals to make people think what I'd kind of like them to think about me instead of really focusing in here where Jesus wants to focus. See, Jesus' word is don't focus on how things appear. Focus on how they are. He's always looking in a different direction. We're all looking at the externals and all this stuff on the outside. And Jesus is looking in a totally different direction, looking on the inside. He's the total contrarian. Looking on the inside and saying, let's focus on how things really are in the Old Testament. This is something that God has been trying to get across to us uh, since way before Jesus came physically here on earth in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you remember the prophet Samuel has to go to Jesse's house to choose, anoint a king for Israel? And you remember Jesse brings out his oldest son, Eliab? And we read in 1 Samuel 16, 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and, and first thought, Samuel thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands right here before the Lord. He's almost saying to God, wow, God, I know what you were thinking. This is a good-looking guy. He's a big guy. And the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, uh, don't consider, don't look at his appearance or his height. He says, I reject him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, focusing on, on uh, how, how things are starts there. A couple observations about this, focusing on how things are. Number one, transformation begins in the heart. You're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, and we want to take this moment to thank the Neurology Center of San Antonio and Dr. Ann Bass for underwriting this week's program. The office is located at 1314 East Sonterra Suite 601, and the phone number is 490-0016. As we'll be right back in one minute with more from Pastor Sean Azaro and the conclusion to this message called Jesus the Contrarian, and this is Real Life Radio. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. River City is called a church for real life. 
and we've been in San Antonio helping people discover the life they were meant to live for the past 13 years. I'd like to invite you to check out our new 1 p.m. service at our Redland campus. It's the same great music, practical biblical teaching, and ministry for all the kids, just at a new time for those who like to get a little later start on Sunday mornings. Another new feature of this service is translation headsets for our Spanish-speaking friends. River City Redland is located one-half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road in Jones-Maltzberger. Our Sunday service times are now 8, 9.30, 11.15, and 1 p.m. River City is a multi-site church and also has campuses in New Braunfels and on the northwest side of San Antonio. Go to reallife.org for location and service times. We look forward to meeting you and helping you get connected with others on the road to real life. This is real life. Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church and this first message in the series called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life, and this is Real Life Radio. In Matthew 15, uh, the Pharisees criticize Jesus' disciples because at a meal they didn't do the ceremonial washings in the way that the Pharisees thought they should. And so Jesus kind of gives them a little bit of a smackdown. And then he says this, beginning at verse 17, Matthew 15, 17, he says, Don't you see, whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. These make a man unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, lying, slander. These are what makes a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands doesn't make him unclean it all is in the heart folks see i can discipline myself into some right behavior at least for a time in front of you but if i still have a heart problem i can do right things for all the wrong reasons ever seen that or maybe done that right things for all the wrong reasons i can serve to be noticed Look at what a servant I am. I can give to be noticed. Look at what a giver I am. Jesus said, he said, beware these Pharisees. They pray on the street corners to be noticed. Oh, Lord, you are so wonderful. Look how spiritual I am. I mean, that's the picture. He's. I can do a kindness to actually buy a favor. I can preach a sermon to feed my ego. Wait a minute. That's not supposed to be in there. I didn't Who mess with my notes. I can preach a sermon to feed my ego. Do lots of things to feed my ego. Buy friends. Whatever it is. And you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had that heart tug of war? Where you go, I'm doing something, but I feel these mixed motives. Yes, I want to go serve the poor, but boy, I also want to be noticed as someone who serves the poor. Yes, I want to help with my kids' sports team, but I also want to be noticed as that dad who's always the one helping with the kids' sports team. I don't want a bunch of dads stopping helping with your kid's sports team, right? I quit. I was a hypocrite. I'm going to watch football instead. Look at me. Too true to myself. <laughs> no, don't do that. How about coaching your kid's team for the right reason? Because you want to love on your kid and help him and some other kids. That's the point. It is very easy. And it's a heart issue, folks. And that's, see, that's the hard part. I want to make it an outside thing. And Jesus says, no, no, the real issue is a heart thing. He says, don't focus on how things appear. Focus on how they are. The second point about this, which is really the good news, is Jesus wants to give us a new heart. There's a, a passage from the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 26. And listen to what it says, because this language is really important. 
He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove, remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, this addresses the real issue. That inner thing where the Apostle Paul said, wretched man that I am, the very things I want to do, I find I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Who's going to deliver me from this flesh? The answer is Jesus is. And he's going to do it by giving you a new heart. Now listen to what Paul wrote about that in Romans 2, 29. He's talking about circumcision as the mark of God's calling and separation of the Jews. And he, Paul says, no, a man is a Jew if he's one inwardly. God's people has always been meant to be more than just that external nation of Israel, but this group that would be blessed by God's ministry through Israel. A man is a Jew if he's one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. God wants to do heart surgery and set us apart by transforming our heart. Listen, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Now, here is the deal. All religions deal with the idea that people do bad things. I mean, most do. Okay, I'm not going to say all, but the vast majority, the prominent religions deal with this reality of mankind does bad things morally. And most offer a path of discipline, of teaching, and of enlightenment that will help you be less immoral. Christianity is totally different because of the solution it offers. It, it also recognizes the problem of bad morality. It's called sin. But Christianity is totally different. It doesn't offer you simply some path of enlightenment or of external kind of behaviors that will make you better. It offers you a Savior. See, what Christianity contends is that we were created for this relationship with God and He wants to give us a new heart and transform our heart, but our sin is the barrier. Our rebellion against God, our moral problem is the barrier. So Jesus Christ comes. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. Jesus comes, lives a sinless life, incurs no death penalty of his own. And he comes and offers his life voluntarily to pay your death penalty of mine. What that means is I can now enter into God's presence even though I'm a, a sinner because I am now a sinner who's been transformed and saved and forgiven by grace. God, looking at Jesus, saying his penalty will pay for Azaro's sin. Your death, Jesus, pays Azaro's death penalty. And now, Azaro, you can come into my presence. And more, more importantly, my presence can come into you. And God does heart surgery. So it's not just, hey, here's some things you should do better. It's, okay, now I'm now going to walk with you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to speak to you and guide you and lead you and transform your heart by my presence in you. That's why Jesus was such a crazy, radical contrarian. Everything is different because he focuses on the inside. Jesus' message is real simple. Don't focus so much on how things appear. Focus on how they really are. And he wants to change how things are with me, not just how they appear. Man, that's good news. In fact, we should call this the good news. I'm going to write that down. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, somebody already did that. Dang it. Every time I thought I had something original. Last thing. And this is very practical. I, I don't want you to, we're not kind of just winding down here. I want you to hear this. 
Focus more on what you're becoming than on what you're doing. What this means, God's focus is more on what's happening on the inside than on what I'm doing on the outside. Understand, when I am changed on the inside, Jesus said, what what did Jesus say? Clean the inside of the cup, what happens? The outside gets clean too, right? When Jesus changes the inside in time, the outside will just kind of change. You can't help it. When Jesus fills my heart with love instead of bitterness and anger, all of a sudden you start to notice that, gosh darn, if I'm not behaving more loving instead of so angry and bitter, I'm changing. And it's not like I'm going, I'm going to do three acts of love and I'm going to not do three acts of bitterness today. No, he's changing my heart. And like Jesus said, out of the heart flows your words and your stuff. When he changes that heart, it changes me. Focus more on what you're becoming than on what you're doing. Because we, as people, obsess about what we're doing. We're Americans. When we, gotta, we see something, okay, we're going to do something. What do you want me to do? Jesus says, right now, I just want you to be with me. Be with me. And I'll change the doing. Now, here's where this gets difficult. One of the sad realities is we as the church are known as one of the most conformist groups on the planet. Okay, you're going to become a part of the church. You have to conform to certain things. Son, get that haircut. Sweetheart, you need to go change. You're, you're, you're just a little skimpy there. Stop eating that. Stop drinking that. Stop doing that and start doing these things. And then you're a good Christian. Look at you now. You're a good Christian. <clears throat> Understand something. There are lots of things that we do that will lead to health and life and lots of things we can do that take us away from there. But, but God knows that. And here's where this gets difficult. You get planted in a Christian community. You're in a group. You're in a new group. And, and God, you, you get a new believer and they become a follower of Jesus Christ. We have our set of lists of what a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. So we might tell this new person, here's what you need to do. You need to stop doing these things and start doing these things. And then you'll be, you know, kind of of the Christian way. And where we got to be careful is Jesus might be working in a whole different priority list in a different order. Whereas we're saying, okay, uh, someone needs to tell that girl to dress differently. Jesus is focusing on faith. So she doesn't have to kind of just be externally attractive to try to win approval and attention. She can be, he says, I, I love you. I think you're beautiful. And he works in her heart about, and he raises her faith. And all of a sudden, he just noticed she kind of dresses a little different than she did before, a little more modestly, a little more appropriately, because she doesn't need to dress the other way because Jesus worked in her heart. That guy, he needs to quit hanging around with those friends of his because those guys are all jerks and they go out and do things. Well, maybe that's true, but Jesus might not be doing, dealing with that first. Jesus might not, his first thing might be stop doing that. His first thing might be, I want to teach you about grace. I'm going to work in your heart. And you're going to become a person of grace and you're going to begin to understand grace and you're going to, and he's going to, I'm going to work something deep. Maybe he wants to give them hope. So all of us, because everything they do is out of hopelessness. I, only thing I have hope for is what I can get today. So I'm going to get mine today. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to work hope in your spirit. So all of a sudden you realize, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole lot more than what you got today. And all of a sudden my behavior changes. And it's what, what's challenging is when God works at a different pace and at a different priority list than people around you. Because people want to focus on appearances, how things appear, and Jesus focuses on how things are. So I just want to challenge you. Focus more on what you're becoming. That's a safe, safe bet. Lord, who am I becoming in you? What are you doing on the inside? 
Surrender everything you have to him. Let him have control. Jesus, I say yes to you. That's it. If you want to teach me about grace, faith, if you want to challenge me, Lord, on love, if you want to... And and just know, those external things are going to start... He's going to start touching on that. You know, whereas your Christian brothers and sisters might say, first thing, you got to quit smoking cigarettes. you got to stop. Okay? God might not do that first. But he's probably going to get there eventually because he likes you and just doesn't want you to get cancer, right? So he's, you know, he's just... But the order's different. And it's a totally different deal. Trust him to work in your heart. And you know what? He'll convict you. That's what conviction is. Jesus telling you, okay, here's next. Here's a new step of faith I want you to take. Here's a new journey we want to go on. And it changes you. This idea is going to kind of come up throughout this series. I want you to keep in mind, Jesus kind of, while everyone else is focusing on the external, Jesus kind of goes the totally opposite direction, the contrarian way, and says, let's focus on the internal. And that's going to change us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I pray that you would help us to be the kind of contrarian that you are and to allow your contrarian approach and way to change us. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. And if you've enjoyed today's message called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life, you can find it right now at the website reallife.org. Just click on the Sermons Archive link and find the podcast right there. And you're also invited to visit River City Community Church, located at the corner of Jones Malsberger and Redland Road, about a half mile inside Loop 1604 on the north side of San Antonio. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is made possible by the Neurology Center of San Antonio and River City Community Church, I hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Real Life.